0: How's it going everybody? I'm Jeff Slakey here at Shelton's Veterans Village on North 13th Street with Executive Director Colleen Carmichael of the Coyote Villages. How are you?
1: I'm good. It's
0: nice to talk with you, nice to meet you.
1: Nice to meet you too.
0: You've been uh, here working on this project for about two years. I remember a couple, three, four years ago now uh, Kathy McDowell, uh, April Pooler, these types of folks in our community came to me and said, Jeff, there's a, there's a little bit of a, a rumble happening. We're looking <laughs> okay. at a veterans village in our community. Mm-hmm. And that's when kind of the conversation started. But it's not where it began because there is a, an Olympia Coyote community and Correct. there's one in Ording as well. Correct. So let's talk about how this one is uh, unique, Shelton Veterans Village, and kind of where we're at in the progress.
1: Okay, so the other two villages you mentioned, Olympia is for um, homeless people in general, and that came from an encampment. So I always tell people when you see the encampments and you're driving along the freeway and you wonder out loud, is that going to amount to anything? It did. It started this model of care. So our original residents at Quixote Communities, some who are still there, came from an encampment in Olympia. Sure. So that started it and then Ordine Veterans Village is on the soldiers home campus and once we started the village in Olympia because of the success that people were seeing there the Department of Veterans Affairs approached us and asked if we would be interested in building a village there on site yeah. so that's what started Ording Veterans Village and that happened two years ago and then now Shelton Veterans Village came from as you said concerned citizens and also Tim Sheldon yeah. was a very big influence on getting one built here So I think what happened, what stalled, that we had two villages going simultaneously, Ording and Shelton, and then COVID hit. So that really kind of delayed the start of Shelton. And when I was hired two years ago, the board and team were very interested in us rebuilding this relationship in Shelton and getting it back on track. And that was my quest, was to make sure that this village was completed. So we're close to completion. Mm -hmm. We have obviously the facilities are all done but we have to get a certificate of occupancy and that comes from the city of Shelton. And we have a few more minor things that need to be completed. Once that's done, then we can start getting people housed. And the Bremerton Housing Authority is who provides housing vouchers for our veterans, VASH vouchers and project-based vouchers, and those help supplement some of the rental income. Those are gonna come, but they have requirements that we have to meet. So that's a process also, but we have at least 10 people right now who are in the pipeline and hope to have them housed within the next couple of weeks.
0: And how were you able to identify those folks? Have they reached out and uh, looked at this Veterans Village model? Were they folks that were identified in a point-in-time count, or how does yeah. this work?
1: So point-in-time counts are really important because that's where you get the kind of the lay of the land, so to speak, of what is the need in any particular county. They're a very conservative estimate because It requires that you have contact with some of the people on a regular basis. And so the conservative estimate in this area was I think 350 uh, for the last homeless count. And of those, a percentage of them are veterans. And the veteran count comes from also the Department of Veterans Affairs. You have a by name count, all those kind of play in, but then they go through coordinated entry. And coordinated entry is key because they then identify who are the most vulnerable. And those are the people that we house. So just because they're in the point-in-time count doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be housed by us. They have to be a certain amount of vulnerability, which means they have high needs either with behavioral health or they have high needs with disabilities. And those are the people that we house, the ones that are having a really difficult time staying housed. Sure. And then our program gives them wraparound services to help them stabilize and hopefully be able to use their voucher to go find housing out in the community. But they can stay with us forever. So it's a long- term housing plan that they have here.
0: Additionally, there is opportunities. We're in one of the offices here for group uh, or individual counseling. There's a meeting location, a beautiful kitchen here as well. When it comes to when folks are starting to live here, what are some of the um, are there rules that oh, govern yeah. the the living of here? Yes. and how's that work?
1: Yeah, each each site has rules that the residents have to follow. They have to pay rent, obviously, when they come. And so if they don't currently have any source of income, but most of them do, they have social security income or some other means. um, But what we do is we encourage them to start getting work. So we work with employers and we work to find a way to get them to earn some kind of income. If they're not eligible to do that because of a disability, then we work with them on other issues that may have been brought to the surface because of Finally being stably housed. So when someone's out on the streets, they're in fight-or-flight mode Their brain does not function as normal because it's survival mode And so once someone is housed that stops and they have to then adjust to housing and adjust to Being in in an area where they can go in and cook where they feel safe and so we hope that by doing that then their, their walls that they put up, their, their trauma that they have f- lived with most of their lives starts to get addressed. And it's challenging, right? Because none of us here are licensed behavioral specialists. We hired one recently because we were finding that the timeline to get an actual licensed therapist to see them mm-hmm. was too long.
0: Wow, okay. And too
1: infrequent. So as part of our program now, we have a licensed therapist that we contracted with and she's going to supervise college level interns that are getting their master's degree and licensing for social work. So she can see up to four interns per village. So what we hope to see is a new pipeline of licensed professionals that also have experience working with this population that will help. Um, And we're also working with music therapies and art therapies. Um, I know North Bend Music, we're working with Matthew Melendez's organization Mm -hmm. to do music therapies. So that's a new thing. So we're always really open to try and change what is happening on site with the program so that we can make it the best possible outcome for our residents. Because that's what we're supposed to be doing, right? That's our whole drive is bringing them in, keeping them on the road to recovery because it's a recovery-based housing program. So we want people to, to maintain their sobriety and maintain whatever they need to keep themselves housed permanently. Because that's our goal, is to keep them in that housing environment. So we're very fortunate that we have some really qualified case managers that have experience doing this. But the behavioral health component, I think, has been the most challenging
0: uh... with Olympia being ten years old and ordering two years you've had a lot of opportunity to learn what mm-hmm. works what doesn't work and then as you move those kind of best practices here to Shelton what are some of those things that may you didn't think that would work and ended up being a a success and are there other veterans villages or there other communities I guess now looking at these models and checking them out
1: yeah we've been really fortunate um, our model has gained Uh, national attention as well as international attention. So we've had people come from all over the world and all over the United States to visit us to see what we're doing here because of the successes that we've had. So that's been lovely. Mm -hmm. But I think uh, as the executive and our team that we have and also the board, we have an exceptional board, the, the focus that we have is making sure that the programs that we offer are the best that they can be. So even though I know some would say, well, you got a good model, it worked, right? so you don't need to change anything, but that's not how we all feel. We could see that the behavioral health part of it was really still not being addressed. Mm -hmm. And when people come to you in crisis mode and you don't have any professionals on site, it's not a good scenario. It, It creates other trauma for the residents and the team. So we're really working hard to build up that part of our program so that we can make sure that the residents feel that they're being supported and that we are listening to what their needs are. We've done really well with the housing part of it, like changing the model to make sure that we're getting the needs of the residents addressed. They've driven those changes. Mm -hmm. So now we're also saying to them, what do you wanna see in the way of programs? What can we offer that's gonna provide more stability to you and make you feel like we're giving you the tools you need to succeed? So those are some of the reasons why we've been making these changes. We're also surveying our residents twice a year to say, are we doing what we say we're gonna do and I think with any service provider you're always gonna find people who are like I don't like what's you guys suck
0: right and it's
1: because we have rules and we have ways that we want people to behave on site and it's challenging because the people that we get have the highest need they have the highest sense of crisis they have trauma a lot of these you know the veterans served in the military some you know were not in active duty they were Desk jobs or other things, but you know, a lot of our people that men and women have seen things that mm-hmm. most wouldn't want to see in their lifetime, and so that's an adjustment to overcome that. But I'll tell you that the families of the people that we serve have been so incredibly grateful, and um, I think that people would be surprised to know who's related to some of our residents. Um, and they have come to us and said, Thank you so much for what you've been able to do for my brother, or sister, or mother, or father. And that's really what matters the most to us is making sure that we give them the life that they so richly deserved. Um, especially veterans. My father's a Korean War veteran, and actually he was just here last weekend visiting the site because I wanted to show him what we were doing mm-hmm. to support veterans. And it was kind of a full circle moment for me because my dad served our country and served my, you know, independence and my democracy. And I got to show him that I'm serving him and serving the people who served our country. So that was really kind of a cool moment for the two of us to share. Yeah, that, that yeah. is cool. Yeah.
0: As people start moving in, are there additional opportunities for folks in the community to volunteer their services or help out as needed?
1: Yeah. So Tamara Engleton, yeah. she is in charge of coordinating our volunteer activities and making sure that people who want to contribute to the organization, whether that be... I'm going to do a bingo night, or I'm going to do a pizza night. Um, VA rep has done a lot of those for us, and so has the VFW mm-hmm. and uh, Puget Sound uh, Veterans Center. They've been exceptional too. So we have partners in place. But anytime anyone's interested in doing something like that, all you have to do is contact us through um, Tamra, and it's Tamra at okay. or no, dot or .org. Sorry, okay. <laughs> and she could set that up so people can come and do food if they want to or they can do different celebrations we've had people bring birthday gifts when people have a birthday or a special occasion so we and we welcome that I really would like people to see you know that's why we're right here in town so people can see what's going on here
0: yeah
1: Um, and then also Mason Conservation District is going to be building a community garden here for us that will be where they can also teach people in the community how to garden nice and we want to have our veterans do micro enterprises if we can so they can jar and can and preserve their own growth of items here, fruit trees and stuff like that. So if that's someone who's got an expertise in that or someone who's a master gardener, if you want to be involved in that, let us know. Because we, we do want to try and make it so that everyone feels supported while also honoring their privacy, right? Because this is their home. Yeah. Um, it's like renting any other place, you know, you don't normally have people coming to say, hey,
0: right, right. come
1: on over for a pizza night. You'd be like, what?
0: <laughs> uh, uh, we're in the in the so main hall here. It's the
1: same thing with these you know, men and women. It takes a moment for them to really build that trust with you. Oh, yeah. But once you get that trust, it's magical, really. Um, and I'm just we all feel very grateful and honored that we get the opportunity to serve them.
0: Well it's a beautiful facility and it was really nice meeting you and talking with you. Colleen Carmichael is the executive director here at Quixote Village, the Shelton Veterans Village. There's also the uh, Quixote communities in Olympia and Ording. if you're looking at more uh, information about the model. Uh, Tamra's great, I'll put her email on here as well so folks can get in the volunteer uh, sphere of this place as well but it is it is in Shelton it's out there you can see it as you're driving down north 13th and it's a beautiful place and it's going to do a lot of good in our community Colleen thank you
1: thank you so much yep